Quick throw left side. Has the first down and more up the sideline. 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown, Houston. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Hello, Texans. Mark Vandermeer with you. It's Thursday. John Harris is with us, keeping us company for the whole hour. And John McClain for the Houston Chronicle. Because it's Thursday, you can set your watch to it, your calendar. It was written in Scripture long ago that McClain would be with us on Thursday night during Texans Radio. So here he is, the general from the Houston Chronicle. General, good evening. And I enjoyed your story about uh, all the players who are working out earlier this week at NRG Stadium as it appears the Texans got off to a good start with this offseason program. However, it's going to be shaped moving forward. Good evening, and how are you doing? I'm doing great, and it's amazing to me. Like, I was told they had a little over half, and that had been about 40, and that more would come in. Of course, it's not voluntary. There's a lot of players, especially veterans, that don't show up the first day. There's been a lot of players over there working out anyway. And the key is not the first four weeks which is conditioning and virtual meetings. The key for what the union's trying to do, of course, the union is recommending no off-season program at all except virtually. But in the second phase of May 17th and 21st, that's when they go on the field for the coaches for the first time, even though there's no drills or contact. It's basically like glorified walkthroughs. And if players are going to adhere to what the union says, that's when we get a better idea of it. You know, there's 230 players that have workout bonuses, including Brandon Cooks, who has 500000 So I don't think Brandon's going to be missing the off-season program. I think the Texans have five. Uh, Tennessee has zero with workout bonuses. So, And then phase three, of course, May 24th through June 18th, when you have your 10 OTAs, you go full speed, no contact, of course, no, no uh, pads, but you do go full speed, and you have your coaches. And then – coaching and then you have your three-day mini camp at the end of it and that's the only part that's mandatory and i'll say this about everybody making a big deal over the three phases of the off-season program i didn't hear one person last year player coach general manager owners use not having an off-season program as an excuse of why they lost a playoff game or didn't go to the super bowl and the ones that need it the most are young teams and teams like the Texans with a new head coach, a first-time head coach, and a defensive coordinator who's changing a scheme from a 3-4 to a 4-3. In that situation, you need a lot of on-the-field instruction. And I look at last year when Matt Rule took over Carolina. He'd only been in the NFL for one season. He had two new coordinators coming from college. He had a new quarterback in Teddy Bridgewater. They could have used the offseason program, and I'm sure they weren't any better, and that played a role role in it. John, what do you think the future is of the offseason? Do you think it stays like it is, or do you think that as time goes on, maybe move to another CBA, that the players will uh, mandate that this offseason reduces even further than what it already is? What do you think the future is of the offseason? Well, it's so long to the next CBA. Uh, you guys may still be around, but I won't be, and it won't <laughs> be my problem. I just hope I'm on this side of the dirt when that comes around. And so the uh, the players not wanting to work 
I wouldn't use COVID as an excuse because there's no safer place than NFL facility. They've got all the COVID protocols in place. They can get you vaccinations. They can get you test results in an hour if you need that. You know, they get your families vaccinated. Instead of you working out on your own with some of the workout programs we heard players doing in their garage, and if they go to a local gym, you don't, there's no way it's as safe as it is at a team's facility. And plus, you know, you get hurt at the facility, it's on them. You get hurt at somewhere else, it's on you. Yeah, John, going back to that for a moment here, isn't this something that they talked about in the previous negotiations when they inked the new CBA? I guess having virtually no offseason, I shouldn't use that word virtually because it was a virtual offseason last year, maybe taught them something about the voluntary workouts. Yes, they are voluntary, as you said, but it seems like the union wants to get the message across that, yeah, they are voluntary. Let's not go unless you do have that workout bonus component working for you. But your thoughts on that, because to me, it seems like something they would have tried to eliminate in the negotiations, but maybe they were unable to, or they just looked past it. Well, let's use this as an example. You guys are on the Texans and you're both competing. See what would be a good position for y'all based on your body size, middle linebacker to four, three hunter. So you're both competing for a backup job with Zach Cunningham. Mm -hmm. And Mark decides he's going to stay out and John reports. And then when it gets down to making cuts, it's close between you guys. John's more physical. Mark is better in coverage because he's faster. So it's hard. What are we going to use? Hey, John showed up. Mark didn't. Uh, Mark, bring your playbook. Ah. Ah. See. Yeah. I'm a backup middle linebacker, and I am, <laughs> I'm, I am slow. I am slow of foot. Uh, speaking of slow foot, John, uh, Tom Brady is not the fleetest of foot. And he was extremely vocal on social media about something that seemingly everybody throughout the, uh, the, the NFL world was happy about. It, it seemed about the change of the jersey numbers, yet Tom Brady's losing his mind over this. It felt like it was just, okay, well, there'd be some you know guys wearing single-digit numbers that weren't able to do it before. He had a meltdown over this. A, were you surprised about Brady feeling the way that he did? And B, if you were to wear a single-digit number, what number would you wear, General? First of all, who give a rat's you-know-what about what number people wear? I've never seen so many players, so many people making such a big deal out of it. This is my fifth talk show today, and everyone has asked me about the numbers. The <laughs> thing that's ridiculous about it is the NFL making payers, players pay to buy out the inventory yeah. this year, which is ridiculous. And there's a story in Nashville. I did my show up there and AJ Brown, their great third year receiver, wanted to wear number one. And they said, well, that's been retired. Oh, well, who, who retired it? Warren Moon. So he Googled him and he saw that everything Warren Moon accomplished and first ballot Hall of Famer. And he said, I'm not worthy. Never mind. Where if he asked Moon, I guarantee you Moon would say, do it. So when Warren Moon had won number one his whole career, and when you saw one, you knew it was him. Before Warren Moon, the quarterback was Dan Pastorini, who you guys know very well, and his favorite target was Kenny Burrow, double zero. Double zero. People mm -hmm. today that I know that can't remember Kenny's name, 
will say double zero because they remember that. Can somebody wear one half or one quarter? And so I just think it's a big to do about nothing. What you wear has nothing to do with your performance. And Brady, I just am stunned that he would think it'd make a difference on the field. I just think he must be bored and wanted something to put out on social media. I know what it is. It's it's about who's playing linebacker, who's the mic. That's what he's mad about is that he now has to ID all these different players and he's got to figure out, well, is that guy outside linebacker or is that guy a safety? Is that guy that? And I guarantee you the numbers helped them over the years that they could figure right. out, okay, that's a 40s number. That's a linebacker. That's, that's why he's upset seemingly that it's going to be tough. I actually saw on Twitter, this was back when it was rumored, uh, Jaquiz Rogers, who played in the league, played out Lamar Consolidated. He's like, yeah, this rule's all fine and, fine and good. He was a running back. He said this rule's all fine and good, but trying to ID the linebacker in pass protection, in 5-0 protection, was a type of protection. And he's like, that running back's going to be really disappointed and really upset when he gets back and figures out he picked the wrong guy based on a jersey number. So there is so, apparently some real-world application to, mm-hmm. to why Brady was upset about that, I guess. Well, maybe Brady, you know, it, nothing is going to set him back. He can memorize those numbers overnight. Maybe he's worried about some of the the less intelligent guys that he plays with having a problem with it, but not him having a problem with it. And if there's a way to exploit it, you know, Bill Belichick will be at the forefront, but yes. other coaches will take advantage of that. And because no matter what the rules are, the good organizations figure it out and win, and the bad organizations don't figure it out and lose it. Well, I can tell you as a play-by-play guy, it definitely changes things because the NFL is easier than college football to get ready for when you're preparing for a game. Less players, obviously, but the uniformity of the numbers, that the linebackers are almost always in the 50s, sometimes the 40s, and the DBs have the lower numbers, but they're not in singles or the teens and that kind of thing. To open it up wider like this does make prep harder. Not that I'm complaining because, look, I'll do whatever the work calls for, but I can see it from Brady's standpoint. You know, when they're doing the scout team stuff, they have to have a a wider variety of scout team jerseys available uh, for certain players like who is the mike you know this week he's wearing number 22 wait a minute that's flutie's number i'm having a flashback oh my gosh i'm sacked i don't know this could be interesting for the quarterbacks to deal with as we go on along those lines though well, General, why did the it, nfl do this i think it's the, the, something the players want a lot and they can they can actually sell more gear all right this kind of reignite that's what it is make more yeah. money yeah, yeah. Well, Make often more it comes money. down to that. But, General, what number, if any, did you wear in a sport you played as a youth, or as Joe Pesci would say, as a youth, as a youth? I'll tell you well, the number, and you guys okay. tell me why I wore it. Number right. 19. Lance Allworth. Johnny, no. Is Johnny U 19? Johnny U. My Johnny first Dan. uniform I got when I was a little kid was the Baltimore Colts number with mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Unitas and some high-talk talk. High top black Converse tennis shoes, and I would play out in the backyard like I was Johnny Unitas, and I'd be the quarterback, make my little brother be Raymond Barry, and I'd make them all be players from the Colts. And uh, but uh, that was the only that was the only one I ever had uh, because right after that I discovered girls. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, Lance Allworth would have been my pick. Then again, when I wore number 23 in high school, everybody thought it was for Michael Jordan. I was like, no, Pete Maravich, come on. Generally, you made oh. me think about something, as you said, Johnny Unitas. In all the time that you've spent on the Hall of Fame committee, has there been a player, and, and I'm, I know that players don't, I don't know the right way of saying this, but not that you get intimidated by anybody, but was there anybody that you've met in that process where you're like, whoa, that was like, that was one of the coolest things that I've done. And I know it's such a cool thing for you to get to meet the Hall of Famers, et cetera. But in that process, was there anybody that you met along the way where you're like, that was really cool to meet that guy? First time I was on the Hall of Fame Select Committee 28 years ago, and I was in Canton for the first time. And they told me that there was a luncheon at a country club that Jim Thorpe founded in which if you were on the selection committee or you worked for the Hall of Fame, you could go to that luncheon. And so I went, and it was at uh, Brookshire Country Club, and I took uh, – can't remember who I rode with, but I got there, and there was – a in the bar area, this fancy country club was open before lunch, and all the Hall of Famers were in there. And I got a Diet Coke and stood off to the side thinking I didn't deserve to be there. I wish it was like that Southwest commercial, do you want to get away? My hand was shaking. So I had to put my Diet Coke up against my chest to keep my hand from from shaking. And I looked up, and here come these guys that I would watched when I was a kid, played like I was them in the backyard. And, and, and I was just – I was so intimidated I couldn't speak. So I just kind of wanted to blend into the wallpaper, and this guy with gray hair comes over to me, and he goes, first time, huh? And I said uh, – uh, yes, sir. How can you tell? He said, well, we've all been where you are. I said, what do you mean? He said, we've all been here first time. And I said, well, the difference is you guys deserve to be here. And I don't, he said, well, what'd you do to get in? I told him, he said, well, you deserve to be in here just as much as we do. He said, why don't you let me take you around and introduce you to some people. And I knew who this guy was, but, uh, he stuck his hand out and he said, I'm yell Larry. And I said, I'm John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. He's only Aggie in the Hall of Fame. Great defensive back and punter wow. for the Lions. So he took me around the room, introduced me to a few guys, and then Dan Deerdorf came in, who I knew from his broadcast here, and one of his best friends and line mates from the Cardinals was Bob Young, an Oilers coach. And Dan had come in a few times, and Bob had taken me to lunch with him. And Dan came in and invited me to sit at his table. And so ever since that time, when I would go, to that lunch and anybody that I thought looked like me, a deer in the headlights, I would go up, introduce myself, and then ask them if I could take them around the room. And you mentioned Johnny Unitas. The last game they had played at uh, Old Memorial Stadium, I went down the sideline at the end of the game because back then they let the media go down early and uh, to, so we could walk off behind the players to the dressing room. Now, of course, they, they'll shoot us if we get – close to the sideline. But so I see Johnny Unitas on the Colts side and I go over there and I stand behind him and I want to say something to him and he's hunched over and I'm thinking, man, you're so small. You know, you're supposed to be a giant. And he had his head down and when the game was over, he started to walk away and I kind of walked behind him and trying to figure out what I could say. And, and I couldn't get the words out. So I just followed him, and that was it. That was as close as I ever came to Johnny Yu, who was the first hero of my youth. 
Oh, my gosh. Meeting a childhood hero or any kind of hero, for me, sometimes a, a musician, you just don't know what to say, right? You don't know what to – I met David Sanborn, the saxophone player who few people have heard of. He plays sax on Young Americans and a whole bunch of stuff in the 70s and 80s. But anyway, I met him, and I was like, uh, we were talking about cars. Okay, sometimes <laughs> it's difficult. Anyway, John McClain from the Houston Chronicle is with us. General, I did something on Alex Smith this week, and you're thinking, why did you do anything on Alex Smith? So Alex Smith and Tom Brady are the only quarterbacks to play against, and get this, David Carr, all right, Matt Schaub, Sage Rosenfels, uh, Brock Osweiler, Brian Hoyer, Case Keenum. I mean, they played against all these. Deshaun Watson, those are the only two to play against all those Texans quarterbacks. And I thought that was pretty interesting. I thought Smith had a little bit of a place in Texans history. The Reggie Bush Bowl, January 1st, 2006, going all the way to Washington in 2018. The playoff victory here that was not so much fun for the Texans, of course, 30 to nothing. The Case Keenum first start. There were a lot of games that Smith participated in that I thought were pretty significant in Texans history. Your thoughts? Oh, with all due respect, who gives a spit? John. <laughs> Why would you go to That's going to make it on a promo. That's going to make it on a Sentech promo. <laughs> I love it. Let's go make it on a promo. When Alex Smith, sometimes. five years from now, people look back at Alex Smith. It's too bad that people are going to think about his incredible comeback. And one thing that people, they misstate all the time. The injury is not what caused him to have 15 surgeries. He had the surgery. It was the infection while he was in the hospital that almost caused him to lose the leg. But you would think that J.J. Watt and Kareem Jackson had caused the worst injury in history when they didn't. You know, people also forget they were 6-3 and at that point. But, yeah, Alex Smith, I think about that game here that was so ugly, 30 to nothing. I think about the Bush Bowl when David Carr got pulled for a sore arm and ask him after the game, which arm was it? He goes, uh, uh, right one. He goes, uh, yeah, that's good enough. And they still didn't get, they they still didn't get a quarterback that they wanted when the time came. John, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick was on, I believe it was with Joel. Uh, I think it was with Chris long, uh, Joel. I can't remember which. He was one of the long boys. They were doing a podcast and Fitzy tells a story about how he had sent a text to to Alex Smith saying, hey, it'll be all right, man. I made it back from my broken leg, which he had, had happened in uh, in Indianapolis playing for the Texans. Uh, little did they know, like you just pointed out, there would be an infection 17 surgeries later. Uh, Alex Smith came back. That said, Fitzy's up in Washington. They signed Taylor Heineke as well. I know Washington's down the down the road a little bit in the draft. Do you think that the Redskins could make a move? Excuse me. Who? The Washington football Who? team. Sorry. The Washington oh, football boy. team. Gosh, dang it. Find me. Do you think the Washington football team could be a team that decides maybe to trade up to bring in a quarterback? Or do you think they'll go with Fitzy and Heineke and that's the way they'll go? And maybe they'll take a Trask or a Davis Mills or a Kellamon in the second or third round potentially. How do you think Washington goes about their quarterback situation going forward? Washington was one of the teams that checked on Deshaun Watson, but knowing where they picked, they didn't have a prayer, just like the Bears didn't have a prayer if Deshaun was going to be traded before the draft. And uh, Washington needs another quarterback. I was on a show up there, and they asked me, and I told them they didn't know 
that Heineke had been with the Texans. And I said, yeah, I said, he didn't just have a cup of coffee. It was really. Oh, he dropped out. Or did I drop out? Johnny, you still there? He dropped. General, oh, the general drop. He was about to drop some knowledge about oh. Taylor Heineke. <laughs> well, he said it wasn't a cup of coffee. It was a sip or something like that because it was. <laughs> Heineke got in. Yeah. Johnny, what game was it? It was the Pittsburgh Steelers. It was Christmas night. Are you sure? Yes, I'm positive. I'm positive, And it was yes. only for like a – he completed one pass, I think, and then he got yeah. concussed. That was the TJ, year of the concussion. TJ got, yeah, because TJ got concussed and yep. then, or got checked for a concussion. Heineke comes right. in. Gets a first down, then he goes out. We got a punt. He goes off the field with a concussion. I remember telling you in your ear, I don't know what we're going to do. And then TJ came back out, and he finished the game. Yeah, and is General back with us? John McClain, you back? All right, so, John, he didn't have a cup of coffee. He had a what? It was an espresso. So, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I was going to tell you, they need a quarterback. There's the top five. We were supposed to go in the top nine or ten picks. And then there's that next group of Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask, Davis Mills, and Jamie Newman. And I'm wondering if Nick Casario could draft, if he likes one of those guys and he could draft one in the third round. But I wrote a column for tomorrow about quarterbacks and about the Texans, you know, having only two quarterbacks taken in the first round, Carr and Deshaun Watson, and what they've done in the middle. But three quarterbacks are going to go in the top three picks. And do you guys know between 2014 and 2018? Mm. There General were eight, sorry, my, my oh, wife keeps Go calling ahead. me. Sorry. Oh. And, um, Carol, hang on. we got and, three more minutes. And so of those eight quarterbacks taken among the top three between 14 and 18, only one, Baker Mayfield, is still with the same team. And all those teams wow. going to draft them first three. If you like, look at last year's passer rating, the top nine from Aaron Rodgers to Tom Brady, not one was drafted among the top three picks. And so that does not bode well, especially when you have so many of them started many games. Davis Mills started 11 games. Trask and, and, and uh, uh, Lance started 17. Quarterback prospect with the most. Kellen Mond, four-year starter, 46 starts. That's 10 more than uh, Trevor Lawrence. So there's a lot to think about with these quarterbacks. I just think it'll be very cool if we see four going off the top for the first time in history. Well, the more people talk about Mond, the higher I think he, he's going to go. And I, I don't think that influences the teams, but it just makes you feel like something's up. But, General, you brought up – the fact that those guys, the the high quarterback rating players, were not drafted in the top three and sometimes not the first round. And then you look at Aaron Rodgers from that 05 class. And also Ryan Fitzpatrick was in the 05 class. So as Alex Smith exits this week from the league, you still have those two guys from that class. It's utterly crazy. General, what do you have going on in the Chronicle for us? I've got that call tomorrow on quarterbacks. I'm going to have one Sunday on Justin Reed, the last time the players didn't. Texans didn't have first and second round picks. Justin was their first pick, and that's worked out great. And uh, he's got all the defense in front of him, and I wonder how long it's going to take him to introduce himself to all these strange people that he doesn't know. They have 16 new players on defense. Guys, thank you very much, as always, and I'll jump on my wife for interfering twice.
Okay. Uh, thank you. That was worded very carefully, I think, I hope. Okay. Thank you, General. we got numerous promos for uh, Armin Williams from Sports Radio 610 coming out of this segment. Coming up, I promise this, so we're going to do it, darn it. And I don't think Alex Smith is one of them. Top quarterback villains of all time against your Houston Ooh. Texans. We'll do that, among some other things. And, Johnny, you said you wore number 23. Was that your favorite number? Was that the number you'd wear now as a kid? Because I've got one, and we'll share that information, and you, everyone will get to play along at home. It's Texans All Access. Don't miss a single thing on your favorite team. Follow us on Twitter at Houston Texans. This is Texans Radio. When an unexpected injury or illness occurs, it's important to know where to go for quality care close to home. Houston Methodist Emergency Care Centers and Emergency Departments offer a full range of care 24-7, 365 days a year for patients of all ages. We are taking extra precautions to keep you safe. Isolating suspected coronavirus patients, screening all visitors, requiring masks, and enforcing social distancing. Visit HoustonMethodist.org ER to find a location near you. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Sometimes nothing beats a classic. Miller Lite, the original light beer. Brewed with great taste and only 96 calories. Available for delivery. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories, 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Carbs per 12 ounces. Carbs per 12 ounces. Carbs per 12 Going somewhere? The Texans mobile app. Don't leave home without it. All right, Johnny, you've had both shots. I'm getting my second one. I was going to get it the night before the draft, but I moved it later because (laughs) I'm not taking any chances. I have heard some stories, don't want any trouble, and I told the story before that I had side effects after the first one because I think Uh it's because I had COVID or something, and I'm not going to take any chances with the second one. Maybe that means the second one will be free and clear. I don't know, but I'm not going to take any chances. It's the draft, darn it. We all have to be on our toes. So it's one week from tonight, yes. uh, you, me, Andre Ware, Robert Hensley, live uh, p- to present round one. Now, the Texans have no picks in round one, but plenty of other people do, so we'll cover that. Yes. And then Friday night, we're back at it, and we'll have full coverage all throughout the entire draft, including all day Saturday. Nick Casario visits us after every day the Texans pick. So you want to tune in to hear that exclusively right here, and it's going to be cool. Johnny, you ready to play quarterback villains? Yes. Absolutely. So here we go. Okay. All right, quarterback villains of the Houston Texans. I tweeted this out. I had a lot of – I had a lot of response to this. Some of it – some people didn't want to go public with it. (laughs) They had thoughts, though. Yeah. And look, I already know because I'm the authority here. I'm just going to declare that right now. I am the judge and the jury here on quarterback villains for your Houston Texans. And I know who the number one all-time quarterback villain is. Somebody said it was Brady. It's not. Okay. Now, I don't – you know, I'd love to go like five is this, four is that. I think that it's too difficult to uh, do it with this kind of list. Are you with me? You almost have to just settle it right away and say – Who's the most, you know, let's just do the top three. But, you know, it's kind of like the Miss America. The runner-up is, and you know who won the contest, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, I could give you the runner-up, and then you're going to know who wins the contest. Do you think that's a fair way to do this? Okay, sure. 
I'm, I'm following along, yeah. <laughs> okay, you're following along. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you some candidates here, though. Okay. Okay. Wait. You're the candidates. Uh, all right. Okay, so you're giving me the candidates, and I'll give you thumbs no, up, thumbs down. In no particular order, these are candidates who okay. belong on the all-time quarterback villain list. I did not include Patrick Mahomes because I just think the okay. body of work is not yeah, significant not enough. Not yet. Not Even yet. though he did win that very painful playoff game, right? Yeah. Even though he was the guy at the helm for that, you've beaten him once there, Okay. Uh, you lost to him again on opening night, 2020. But I still think, what is it, three games yeah, total? Yet. Is it three starts? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, one and one that's in it. 19, and uh, 0 and one against him in 2020. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I'm, I'm not, yeah. I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to go to that spot yet. He's yeah. not on the list yet. Correct. Not on the list. However, there is a quarterback with three starts who is on the list, and I'll get to him in a moment. Uh, Andrew Luck is on the list of all-time Texan villain quarterbacks. Yes. He definitely – he's not number one, but he definitely is on the list, folks. God, I hated facing him. I hated it. Every single it second, was, you just went, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Even in 18, when we went up there for week four, the game we won, 37-34 in overtime. Oof. It's 28-10, and you're like – I remember thinking, ah, man, he – you know, it's Andrew Luck coming off the, the shoulder surgery. I don't know, man. He just started throwing – Something bigger than a Nerf football like seven, eight weeks ago. I don't know that he can. Oh, God. Oh, he's going to do it. Oh, my yep. gosh. He's doing it. And it was yep. just, it was, oh. And every game was like, every game, even games we beat them in 16, mm. it was like, oh, he's going to find a way. And yep. when he didn't, it was just shocking. It was, oh, yeah. Andrew Luck, yes. Yeah, he's on the list. I mean, look, 2012 regular season finale rookie season for him and you go up there and if you win the game you are in possession of home field advantage throughout the playoffs yeah despite the fact that you just lost to christian ponder and the vikings all you had to do was go up there now you had to win for the first time ever up there at the time but you were playing andrew luck come on get it done he's a rookie you just beat him a few weeks before do it and they didn't do it and that was really hurtful and of course the playoff loss here was just excruciating and all the other ones, Whoa. don't make me recap them all. But, yeah, he's definitely on the list. Okay. Okay. Here's a quarterback that doesn't have a big body of work against the Texans, but he's an all-time Texans villain. That would be V.Y. And I yeah. put him on the list, Johnny, because even though Steve McNair did more damage against the Texans as a Tennessee Titans QB, yeah. and maybe he does deserve a space in the top five, perhaps, Steve McNair, or close to it. The VY 39-yard run in overtime, which we just talked about yesterday or the day before, yeah. was so painful. And that Monday nighter that he won in 09 was so painful. And considering who he was and where he's from and the dialogue leading up to the draft and everything else involved and the fact that it's the Titans, I just think he has a space. He has a place on this list of all-time Texans quarterback villains. Your thoughts? I 1,000% agree. There's okay. no doubt a Houstonian that becomes a two-time-a-year opponent with, you know, a little bit of a burn his saddle about how everything went down, and then the very first game he does what he did. It, it's, I, you're, there's no question. And mm-hmm. how about the fact that both of them are Houstonians that you started with? Thanks. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. I mean, luck, we sometimes forget that he went to Stratford High School and yep. all of that. And we know his dad, and we mention that almost every time we talk about him. Johnny, 
I mentioned Alex Smith in the first segment, and the general really dismissed me quickly. I wrote my piece yesterday yeah. with the Houston Texans. Non-division quarterback appearances against the Texans. Brady is clearly number one. Yes. But Smith and Joe Flacco are tied for number two all-time against the Texans all-time. Now, Smith might not really belong on this list, but he, he kind of has a sneaky honorable mention spot because of some of the things I just listed. I mean, yep. And it's kind of like his whole career. Not a lot of fanfare, some solid stuff here. Uh, you might not even notice it, but it's there and it's effective. The 17-16 win by the Chiefs in 13 in Case Keenum's first start. Keenum put up better numbers that day, but Smith won the game. The Reggie Bush Bowl that we talked about. And he does it with different teams in different ways. And obviously the playoff win that the Chiefs had here in 2015 and the opening day win they had in 2015. Bookend victories for the Chiefs in that otherwise fruitful season when the Texans started 2-5 and five and won the division. But, man, the Chiefs began it and ended it with Kansas City wins, and that was painful, and it was engineered by Alex Smith. I think he deserves at least an honorable mention. When you mentioned Flacco and Alex Smith, when mm-hmm. you mentioned Flacco, I'm like, okay. You mentioned Alex Smith, I'm like, oh, God. Because I think of the same thing. I'm like, the run from 13 to 15 and 15 twice. Yeah. Then to seven. Now, we beat them in 16. Beat them in 16, around, too. And then Sunday night, which the Sunday night game in 2017 against Kansas City is one of the, like, all-time wildest nights Mm-hmm. of emotional up and down yep. with Alex Smith doing his thing, Witt getting hurt, J.J. getting hurt a few plays later, the Texans getting kicked in the teeth, Tyreek runs one back, but then the offense gets it going, you know, Sean's throwing bombs, and it's going crazy, and then you get within a score, and it was just – I remember after that game being exhausted and then going, oh, my God, we lost Witt and J.J. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. God, what's going to happen? Uh, it, that, that game was, but Alex Smith that night, that was the best I ever remember seeing Alex Smith was that night against us. He had been really good the first four games to that point that night against us. He was phenomenally good. And I remember afterwards there were, there were some places that were like, Oh, he should be an MVP consideration. And he didn't get there the rest of the year, but man, I, I agree. He definitely needs, he deserves consideration for sure. He wasn't the one that scared me more than luck or VY or anything. But, man, when, I, when you would see him on the schedule, you'd be like, oh. If I had to choose between him or Flacco, I'd choose Alex Smith 10 times out of 10. Is there anybody else other than – and you know who the top two guys are here in terms of all-time Texans quarterback villains. Is there anybody else who belongs on this list that I'm not thinking of? I mentioned Steve McNair, okay. Uh, anybody else in the division? I don't think it, anybody else has enough body of work yet, like a Ryan yeah. Tannehill. You know, nobody like that. Come on. I mean, the the Alex Smith one makes sense because there was, a, like you mentioned, there was a time where we were matching up with that particular team every mm-hmm. single year. And then, obviously, Brady was that way because we were right. matching up with them nearly every single year. And then it, when it wasn't because we both finished first in the division, it was because it was our year in the rotation uh, mm-hmm. to play them. So, um, yeah. Drew Brees? Um, Not enough appearances. But I'll tell Not you this. Not enough appearances, but I'll, you know, that game in 2015 sort of, I don't know what it was. And, and listen, you know I'm the biggest Drew, Drew Brees supporter there is. I love Drew. I've always felt like Drew's been underrated his entire career. However, 
because of what we did to them in 2015 at our place, I didn't, six fear, points. I didn't fear them as much, especially mm-hmm. in 2019. I was like, oh, this is going to be a tough game. But I didn't fear him as much as I th- the environment and Camara and, and Michael mm-hmm. Thomas. I think I feared them more than I did Drew. So I, don't, I wouldn't put Drew quite on that list. I think his superiority in some sense was taken down a notch or two when we held up without a touchdown in 2015. Well, Drew Brees on the road, undefeated against the Texans, even as a Chargers starter in True. 2002. Yeah, week True. two. And I think McNair needs to be on there, Mark. I think yeah. I think Steve McNair is a oh. guy. I I would, you know, I I agree with you. Why? No doubt. But I also I also think Steve McNair being on that list as well. Obviously, starting when he was you know with the Oilers and finally getting mm-hmm. a shot when he was with. The Titans up in Tennessee, but I, I would probably put McNair on the list. I think he's the only other one to me that that stands out. Like, yeah, he needs he needs to be on that list. I don't know. <sighs> oh, oh, Mark, mm-hmm. hold on. Well, give it, oh, give it to me. Yeah, yeah, go with me on this. Okay, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Twelve. Think about yeah. it. Twelve, sixteen, and twenty have been just. Got awful. And in 20 and 16, I'm sorry, in 20 and 12 at our place, he oh, just, just lights us up. Mm-hmm. In 2016, he can't even walk, and he beats us in the snow. I would that say Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's three. Now, we beat him in 08, but mm-hmm. three of the last the last three times we've played them, it it's almost not even been close because of that guy. And Breeze, by the way, you also beat him in 07 at NRG Stadium. So there was a victory there. But, you know, more appearances, and Breeze had some AFC with the Chargers. So, yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll throw Rodgers in there. Steve McNair won his first four starts against the Texans, and then the Texans got two wins against Steve McNair in 2004 uh, somehow. But I'm going to give you the runner-up, and the runner-up is Thomas Brady. He's yeah. the runner-up, all-time Texans villain quarterback. Look, he's been phenomenal. Two playoff victories against the Texans. We all know what he's done. You're finally – well, you beat him in 9 regular season finale. But, look, he was on the bench for two of those drives because they didn't need the game. So that game always had a little bit of an asterisk there. I hate to admit that, but a tiny little one, maybe half an asterisk there. Uh, but clearly in 2019, you know, getting that Sunday night win was huge. Yeah. And – uh, you didn't beat them this year, but you beat the Patriots, so that was good. Uh, <laughs> so two wins against Tom Brady in your career. But he's number two. And number one all-time quarterback villain against the Houston Texans is none other than Peyton Manning, who was ridiculously good against the Texans for so long as the Colts starter and then rubbed it in. Now, first appearance with the Broncos, week three, 2012, Texans get the win at mile high. But ever since then, 2013 sets the all-time single-season touchdown pass record in your building and just rubs it in in 2013. And it was just so painful to watch. Uh, Peyton Manning was so terrific against the Texans. And you did beat him a few times. You beat him in 06. You beat him in 10. uh, And you beat him in week three of 2012. But that was it. The rest were victories for Peyton Manning, and it hurt. Yeah, I hear his name, and I just – and I, you know, I love, I love Peyton. It's probably the way I felt about Larry Bird. When Larry Bird was playing, I was not the biggest fan at all. In fact, probably hated him. But mm-hmm. I grew to appreciate him, and now I love Larry Bird. It's probably the same with Peyton, and because he tortured the, 
he tortured the Texans the way he did. I just think mm-hmm. the, the, my my favorite story about Peyton Manning was in preseason when we went there in 2014. We had practiced against him two or three times that week. He got a little chippy on the final day. We play him in the preseason game, and he throws a seam route for a touchdown, and he beelines it over to DJ Swearinger, and you can see he says something. So we, I find Swearinger in the locker room afterwards, and I was like, yo, Swag, what did he tell you? And he goes, bleep you. And I was like, well, I've just asked the question, DJ. He goes, no, no. He goes, John, that's what he said to me. Oh in my a preseason gosh. game, the third one, he's like, competitive much? For, yeah. I, I, I don't yeah. know why he said it, but he just got up in DJ's face and told him oh that. Oh, my God. And Swearinger, you know him, he was kind of like, he took that as a badge of honor. But I was like, man, Peyton Manning, that that race is level. Like, okay, that was, all right. I don't know why he did it, mm-hmm. but he threw a touchdown and he decided to go find the DB, get in his face, and say something. So oh I thought gosh. that was great. All right, time out here, and next up, a little bit more from around the league. Will two leagues merge that are semi-competitive with the NFL? And another little COVID drop for you that's going to affect things for a few individuals trying to make it into this league. It's next on Texans Radio. Download the Texans mobile app for news, videos, alerts, and more on your Houston Texans. In America, the future belongs to everyone. So we built the trucks of the future for everyone. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling trucks for 44 years straight. Built for performance and capability on and off-road. Because the trucks of the future aren't built for a few. They're built for America. Ford F-Series, drive one today. Based on 1977 to 2020 calendar year total sales. Ashley Home Store is proud to call Houston home. Whether you're living in a midtown high-rise or you're moving into your forever home, we have the options you need and the prices you really want. Visit today and find stylish sofas, dining sets, and more, starting as low as $10 per month. Ashley Home Store has financing options made to fit any budget. Start designing your dream home today. We have 12 Houston area locations to serve you. Ashley Home Store. This is home. Proud sponsor of the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans. The Houston Texans. For the most in-depth coverage of your favorite team and players, check out HoustonTexans.com. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. Running out of time very quickly here, Johnny. Apparently the league only will allow five tryout players at rookie minicamps. This is tough because these are the extra guys, not the undrafted free agents, but they're really free. In other words, they don't even have a contract with the team yet. They're just trying out. But the Texans, I think Corey Moore was one uh, tryout player, right, once upon a time? Yeah, Corey Moore was was the one I think about when I think about tryout players who came on and did some really nice things for this team in, in the mm-hmm. couple of years that he was here. So there's there's always opportunity with the tryout players. I, I'm, I'm not sure I care for this one, but I, I kind of get it. Yeah. That there will be some some teams that are like, look, we're not going to draft this guy. Let's see if we can get him through the tryout process because we haven't had a chance to look at him. You know, so I could mm-hmm. I could see that sort of being um, abused in some way, shape, or form by some crafty teams. But I, I hate it that players might lose an opportunity. Um, from that perspective, you know, the other one was um, Chris Thompson in 2017. Oh, yeah. Out of Florida, made it basically on special teams. And then that game against Tennessee when all the receivers were, were nearly just were dead. 
he had to go out there and play wide receiver, and he and mm-hmm. Hopkins were the only one that knew what were going knew yeah. what was going on. Uh, so Steven he was Anderson. another one that was a tryout yeah. player. Yeah. Uh, how about this one with the CFL delaying their season? They're not going to start till August, which I think is a huge mistake. Somehow, if you're the CFL, you have to be playing in July because in July, that's your month, baby. That's yeah. exclusive football for you that month. Now, they're going to delay the start of their season and play their championship in December, and there's talk about them possibly doing something. I don't know if it's a full merger with the XFL, but maybe some cross-pollination. I don't know how you do it rules-wise. Quick thoughts on that. I wouldn't mind seeing them merge. I mean, the two games are so – they're so incredibly different. So I think yep. that would be that would be kind of tough. But if there's something they can do, maybe – I don't know, maybe some kind of player share, sharing program, I, just to give guys opportunity to keep playing ball, that's all I really mm-hmm. care about for those guys. Johnny, what number would you wear now if you were a kid playing sports? Uh, my my number at college is 24, so that would, that would be my number. It was close to 23. I was I, I joked a little earlier. I was a huge Jordan fan, but I was a big Pistol Pete Maravich fan. Uh, I just mm-hmm. loved um, the way he played basketball. I just loved everything about him. And I oh, read his book great. when I was a junior. So that's Pistol Pete was the reason I wore twenty three. But you know Jordan would have been. But twenty four is my number in college. So that's what I would go with now. How about you? See, I I always pick ten if there's a number to pick. And people think, oh, it's Hopkins. No. I pick 10 because it's Johnny Walton, the quarterback for the Boston Breakers, Breakers. in the USFL. And <laughs> yeah. Walton, yeah, Walton was a backup for Ron Jaworski in Philadelphia. Look, Walton, I loved him, okay? I really loved this quarterback, and I always loved the number – and I just thought it looked cool, so I always stuck with that. Anyway, that's our show for tonight. I'm sure everybody's got their own thoughts in their car. Like, I would pick number, and whatever it is for you, I wish you could share it with us, but that's all the time we have for today. Tomorrow, Johnny, we've got a great show. We're going to have D.P. Sidhu and Wade Smith talking draft day memories. Possibly Justin Reed joining us. This could be really cool stuff. So possibly, we look forward to oh, not, even, not even possibly. David Fletcher will also join us. Oh, my gosh. This is going to be a huge program. Tomorrow night at 6. Thank you, Brandon, for producing. Thank you, Johnny and John McClain. Have a great night, everybody, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Tecron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage plus chevron puts tecron in every grade every gallon of their gasoline so that's two no wait three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only chevron with tecron care for your car hey texans fans as the preferred eye care provider of the houston texans houston eye associates knows that vision is everything especially in football Houston Eye is here to help Texans see better and keep their eyes on the prize. Houston Eye Associates has 28 Houston area locations with specialists in LASIK, cataracts, glaucoma, retina, cornea, oculoplastics, pediatrics, uvitis, and more. Go see them today. Houston Eye Associates, the preferred eye care provider of the Houston Texans. Provider of the Houston.